If I told you that some of the world's biggest environmental problems were directly connected to the food that we eat, would it make you want to change the way you eat? Now, I think we'd all agree that food is one of the best things in life. I love food. I love trying new things. I'm always hungry and ready to eat. But reality is, we went from being hunters and gatherers, basically eating to survive, and now we are pleasure-seeking eaters. You know, we have top five restaurants and five-star restaurants, and food has become a luxury, a form of art and entertainment. So truth be told, we have lost all connection to our food in the sense that many of us don't even know where our food came from and how it got to our plates. We're completely disconnected from the labor and the process that was involved in its production. Now, beyond taste and satisfaction, there's a spirituality that comes with the food that we eat. Jesus knew this. It's why he gives us his body and blood in the Holy Eucharist. Now, for us Catholics, receiving the Eucharist is a very big deal because of everything that it entails. In the Eucharist, we are receiving both Jesus' body and his spirit. And when we receive Jesus in the Holy Eucharist, we are accepting his mission to live and preach the gospel. And we are also accepting all of the joys and the challenges that come along with being disciples, followers of Christ. So that being said, I think our greatest connection to our food is the blessing or the prayer of thanks that we give right before eating. But our ignorance about the suffering, the damage and the corruption behind our food makes it all almost dare I say, hypocritical. Now, before I get into the details of how our food is connected to environmental damage, I want to ask you to just set aside all feelings and the sense of political divide that you might have around this topic. Maybe you or someone you love is a chef or a restaurant owner or farmer, or maybe you have a really close connection to food because of family or cultural traditions. And believe me, I get that. But here's the thing with traditions. They're not always what is best. This whole idea of, but it's always been done this way, right, Catholics? <laughs> it's such a dangerous way of thinking. It can be toxic. And what we really mean when we say that is, we don't want to be challenged. We don't want to be bothered. And most of all, we don't want to change because change is too difficult. And it is. But remember, we can do all things in Christ who strengthens us. So here's the underlying issue. Animal agriculture, in other words, this industry of factory farms that produce meat, dairy, poultry, eggs, pork, etc. It is the leading cause of air pollution, 
water depletion, ocean dead zones, habitat destruction, species extinction, and deforestation. We're talking land, air, and water. I mean, how is this even possible? Let me just say that this was a complete shock to me when I learned about it back in 2014. Apparently, there have been hundreds of books and articles and reports and documentaries on the negative impacts of that this has animal agriculture on our planet and also on our health. A lot of these statistics have been challenged, denied, ridiculed, or simply ignored, or called conspiracies. But what I'm about to share with you is only really scratching the surface of this topic. There's so much more information out there, and I, I encourage you to become more educated about it on your own time. And I invite you to pray about it with an open heart and an open mind. So I was always taught that saving paper would save trees. And of course it does. But I never knew that the number one cause for deforestation, in other words, the cutting down of trees, is due to animal agriculture. You see, there's something called supply and demand. Right? The more we buy these animal products, the more these animals need to be rapidly reproduced to meet our demands. As of today, more than 70% of Amazon rainforest destruction has been due to animal agriculture. According to Greenpeace, we are cutting down these trees to make room for livestock and for the crops that feed the livestock. The Amazon is considered the lungs of the earth. What would we do without our lungs? And all of the earth's rainforests are key to our planet's survival, God's incredible creation. When I was in one of my many visits to Guatemala, which is where my parents are from, I went horseback riding with my husband. And I was surprised to see so much dry and dead land. Um, it looked as if a fire had gone through and just wiped everything away. And we were told that cattle ranchers from the U.S. had purchased that land to raise livestock. And when they were done using the land because it couldn't be used anymore, they left. And of course, I felt very ashamed. See, this is happening all over the world. Desertification. Land is being used, can never be used again because it's destroyed. And it's because of our consumption and demands of meat. So I'm sure when we think of something like air pollution, we think of the pollution caused by cars and factories. And this is correct. But according to reports from the United Nations, even when we compare or combine all of the pollution caused by all of the forms of transportation, it is still less than the air pollution caused by animal agriculture. Why? One of the reasons is because right now, all over the world, there are billions more farm animals than there are human beings. And cows in particular produce excessive amounts of methane gas, which is extremely harmful to our Earth's atmosphere. And let me not forget to mention that the U.S. is one of the highest consumers of all of the animal products. So what about water? You know, we're told to turn off faucets and to take shorter showers and to just be 
more mindful and appreciative of water. And I totally agree with this. But we're told very little about the massive amounts of water that is being used to raise livestock and the crops that feed the livestock in animal agriculture. Water Footprint Network has done extensive research on this, and it has been found that animal agriculture is responsible for 20 to 33% of all freshwater consumption in the world today. Only 5% of water consumption in the U.S. is by private homes versus 55% for animal agriculture. And as I share this information with you, let us not forget our sisters and brothers around the world who don't even have access to fresh drinking water. So now that I mention water, you might be thinking, well, what about fish? You know, after all, Jesus ate fish. (laughs) The fishing industry has also become one of the most corrupt businesses on this planet. When I was in the Dominican Republic one year with the Funto Salud Border Mission, I was in one of their many beautiful beaches. And I happened to notice a few large boats some miles away from the shore. And in my conversations with the locals, I was told that those boats were from the U.S. And I'll never forget what the people said to me. They were frustrated and upset. And they said, those boats are stealing all of our fish. You see, many people around the world who live near the coast, especially the poor, they highly depend on fishing as their way to survive. Now, the fishing boats of today are are really big, and their nets are enormous. National Geographic estimates that 2.7 trillion sea creatures are pulled out of the ocean every year. Not to mention all of the habitats and ecosystems that are destroyed during this process. Our consumption of seafood has gone up, and it is extreme. Remember, supply and demand. For this reason, we're in danger of seeing fishless oceans. We need fish in our oceans. God's design of our planet is perfect. Every creature serves a purpose, has a purpose. In Pope Francis's encyclical letter, Laudato Si, on the care of our common home, He talks a lot about this, and he states, Because all creatures are connected, each must be cherished with love and respect. For all of us, as living creatures, are dependent on one another. We are all connected. Now, the health benefits of keeping animal products off of our plates are endless. I'm not a doctor, but again, there are many reports and studies out there on the health impacts of plant-based nutrition, such as reversing many of the most common and fatal illnesses. That is mind-blowing. One of the most interesting, fascinating for me about choosing more plant foods is lowering our risk of cancer. And who wouldn't want that? So what about the animals? This is my personal motivation for all of this. The Catechism of the Catholic Church states that it is contrary to human dignity to cause animals to suffer or die needlessly. 
The truth is the majority of these animals live in the most miserable conditions imaginable. There's no denying that they do suffer. They're mistreated and then they're killed. I have personally seen animals be slaughtered before. They always tremble with fear. They cry and they scream and they always try to escape because they want to live. No one actually ever wants to die. And indeed, they are dying needlessly because we know now there are so many other options. St. Francis of Assis, a well-known nature and animal lover, so of course I'm going to bring him up. He once said, if you have men who will exclude any of God's creatures from the shelter of compassion and pity, you will have men who will deal likewise with their fellow men. Back in 2015, I went to the country of Malawi with Catholic Relief Services, and we visited a nutrition center. And we were shown how, I'll never forget how proud these women were of raising their own crops and then feeding their own families. And I remember one of them showed us how she was able to feed her family of seven by using one pumpkin, but by using every single part of that pumpkin and not letting any of it go to waste. I think that's really amazing. And so it makes me wonder, what if we started choosing more plant-based options at home, at family gatherings? What if we, as people of faith, made it intentional to offer more plant-based meals at our parish picnics, parish celebrations, at conferences? I've been to many Catholic conferences, and I've seen how much food is served, and then how much food is thrown away. And it is wrong. Now, I'm well aware that there are many arguments against everything that I have shared with you. I know that this topic arouses feelings of anger and defensiveness and, most of all, discomfort. But I invite you to view your discomfort as a blessing because we're being given the opportunity here to make profound change. I remember when I first learned about this, I thought, Well, what about farmers and their businesses and workers? And I've recently learned about the closing of many farms, but also the opening of new, more sustainable industries that don't involve environmental damage and cruelty towards animals. What I'm proposing is that we strive for a deeper connection between our faith and our food, for a deeper love appreciation and respect for all of God's creation, for nature and all of God's creatures. To view each as sacred, holy, and deserving of dignity. I think this would ignite true peacemakers and an active response to our calling to care for our common home. Because our earth has reached its breaking point. And it's very critical that we do something about it. So knowing what you know now, would you change the way you eat? (laughs) You must be thinking Miriam is crazy. Not everyone wants to be a vegan like you. Hmm. 
For this reason, I want to share with you a question that Pope Francis asked us in his encyclical letter. And he asked us to reflect on this. He asked, what kind of world do we want to leave to those who come after us? To children who are now growing up. Leaving an inhabitable planet to future generations is first and foremost up to us. And so I ask, what about our children? What about their future? Will we tell them we knew, but we just couldn't change? Or will we tell them we knew, so we made changes? For them, for their children, and for their children's children. Thank you. (laughs) 